Hey, welcome or welcome back to our midweek service of Crossroads. Uh, this is Kenny, and we're excited that you're here with us. Um, there are certain people that you meet in your lifetime that genuinely change who you are. Uh, I met this lady years ago when I started dating her daughter. Uh, her daughter and I dated for about six months. We broke up. We dated six months more. Uh, and then we broke up again, and then shortly after that, we started dating again, got engaged, and got married, and today, I'm proud to call her my wife. Uh, Jessica's mother is just one of those people. Uh, She made the comment that she loved me before Jessica did, and it took us a while to figure it out, but um, there has never been another person that I've met that has a more gentle soul, a more beautiful spirit than this lady. And I thought it was extremely fitting that she come and speak to our students about what it means to allow God to work in your life and work through your life. She has an amazing story. Uh, she would never share a lot of details uh, about who she is simply because she gives God all the glory. But um, in the midst of it being fully God, Uh, She was and still is a soul that understands that God can use her. And uh, I was just so, so privileged when I talked Miss Carla into doing this. So uh, this episode of She Says is my mother-in-law, and I am just so proud to call her mine. And uh, I know that you're going to be blessed by this. Uh, If you get a chance, go and subscribe to our midweek podcast, Kenny Crossroads. We'd love for you to be a part of the Crossroads family. Uh, But just listen to Miss Carla, hear what God's done in her life. And uh, as always, welcome to Crossroads. Nervous? Because this is not my really cup of tea. I I am much more comfortable across the street changing dirty diapers and passing out veggie straws. But (laughs) the Lord has done so much for me through the years. And when Kenny asked me, first asked me, my first response, I'm just like, no, 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 no. Can't do it. Can't do it. But I love Kenny more than anything, so I do anything I can for him. Plus, I know Kenny well enough to know that when he plans his lessons, that he lets the Lord lead him. So if the Lord led him to ask me, I knew it must be the Lord's will for me to do this. So even though I'm scared to death, my knees are knocking and all that good stuff, uh, I'll do anything at all for the Lord. And looking out through all of y'all, part of me envies y'all. You've got your life ahead of you. You've got so many opportunities, so many things you can do. But the big part of me says, thank you, Lord, I'm through this age. Uh, uh, I know what you're going through. Uh, Being a teacher all those years, I got to hear. And um, I remember my own self going through there. So you're going to have to make very, very important decisions in your life. Many, many decisions. And each decision that you make a price tag is attached to it. So you need to make those decisions very, very carefully. When I was teaching in one of the classes I taught was marriage and family, and it had a statement in the book saying that the person you marry is the most important decision you'll ever make. That's one time I let the students mark through that because that's not the most important. It is a very, very important decision that you make, but we know that the decision to accept Christ is your most important decision. And that's a decision that's going to affect your life here on earth. And even more important, it affects your life after 
this earth. So if you have not made that decision yet, please, please make that decision and realize that your life, you're, you are one decision away from changing your life completely. The person who decides to experiment with drugs that first time, they never say, I'm going to take this drug and I'm going to become an addict. Or the person that tries alcohol for the first time, they don't ever say, you know, I'm going to take this alcohol, I'm going to become a, an alcoholic, a drunk, I'm going to ruin my life and my family's life. They don't think that. Or the person who knows they should not get behind the wheel of a car because they've been drinking, but they say, you know, I make that decision, I'm going to do it anyway. They don't know, but they're taking their life and everybody else's life in their own hands. So make those decisions very, very carefully. And also remember, your decisions do not only affect you. Your decisions affect everyone around you, especially your family. So be very, very careful when you make your decisions. Any decision that you make should be based on God. Always think, what would God want me to do in this situation? God leads and plans all of our lives. You're going to be doing a lot of planning in the years to come or months to come. And if you put God at the center of that plan, you'll never be disappointed. And depend on God's leading in all ways, in all of your ways. And one illustration for my life happened. Well, the kids, Jessica and John Michael, Jessica was about seven or eight, and John Michael was about five. And Mike had a job in law enforcement, which I didn't really care for that much. Uh, but then he got a very good job. It was a lot more money. Uh, the only problem was he was out of town a lot. And I'm thankful now that he saw that he needed to be home with us, with our family. So he found another job back in law enforcement. But it also meant that we were going to have to move. And I've all, I had always lived in Clinton, but this meant that I would have to move into Shelby County. So one thing, I trusted Mike enough to know that he put the family ahead of everything else. And it wasn't just him wanting to get back in law enforcement. He thought that that was, he knew that that was God's plan for him. I trusted Mike because he loved our family and I trusted God. So we did, we made the move, he took the job. And when we were making one of our trips back and forth, we passed by this Christian school in Jemison. And it sort of came to me, the Lord spoke to me, you know, that's where I think you need you need to send the kids. And I sort of wanted to argue with the Lord a little bit. I said, Lord, we've just built a new house or bought a new house and private schools are not cheap. But I'm so proud that I did go with the Lord's leading and the kids seemed to really enjoy it. They were doing real well in the school. And as Jessica got older, one of her very best friends, I call her Dayla, uh, yeah, uh, she started introducing Jessica to some of her friends in Thorsby, and one of those friends she introduced her to was named Kenny. And uh, after, after many years and after I knew better and the Lord knew better, they finally knew that they were supposed to be together. So they finally got married. 
And then it leads me to another proud moment of my life. I finally became a grandmother, which was the most wonderful thing in the world. <laughs> Sorry, sweetheart. <laughs> Didn't mean to embarrass you. <laughs> okay. But, now, the Lord might have worked this out anyway for them to get together, but I like to think it was because I trusted the Lord's leading. Uh, a lot of it went against what I really wanted, but I trusted him, and I, I wouldn't have it any other way. It's uh, just the most precious thing in my life to me. And you're going to have a lot of situations in your life that you're not too happy about, but God can take good out of any situation. Uh, you know, we all know that Romans 8, 28, that all things work together, and it, it, it really does. And also, in every situation, be thankful. Look for something good. Uh, a few years ago, the Lord knew that I had a bad hip. I had a bad femur, and he knew that that bone needed to be replaced. Well, he caused something, an accident to happen, and I broke that bone. And even in all of that, he took care of me because it happened that I was across the street from Jessica and Kenny, and so it was someone there to help me. I, you know, I didn't have to lay there for days and days without anybody helping me. And because I was stubborn and I wouldn't let him call the ambulance, Kenny did take me to the hospital, and Jessica was there to help, and the Lord sent uh, all the medical help that I needed. He sent me to a wonderful surgeon. Uh, I had plenty of insurance. Mike was able to take off and be with me. So I, in all that, instead of saying, Lord, now you know you could have healed that bone on your own. I, you know, I said, thank you, Lord, for the good that did go with it. And a little bit later, I had to have another surgery. And uh, I, I, I was te back teaching then, and I'd have to go to school every week to get lesson plans for the next week while I was still out recovering. And there was this nice young lady who would come and pick me up, and she would tie my shoes when I couldn't bend over and tie my shoes. Thank you, May. <laughs> <laughs> and she would take me to school so I could get my lesson plans. So in all of that... I found things, I, sometimes I had to look close, but I found things to be thankful for. So always be thankful in any situation. I wish I could tell you, oops, sorry, I'm going to cry. Okay, it's okay. <laughs> I wish I could tell you that your life is going to be a fairy tale. There's going to be a Hallmark movie. Everything's going to work out just fine. You're going to have wonderful times in your life, but you're going to have some times that might not be quite so wonderful. And uh, I, I, had, I had one of those, but the Lord was with me through everything. Uh, our son was 22 months old, and he was down at my mom and dad's. And I went to pick him pick, thank you, darling. I went to pick him up, and I knew something was wrong because my mother was out in the front yard, and she was sort of hysterical, you might say. <laughs> And uh, so I finally got out of her that my dad had accident, accidentally backed over John Michael. So uh, I had to drive me, my mom, and Jessica to the hospital, not knowing what I was going to find, not knowing really what had happened. So the Lord was there with me through all of that because I never could have done that on my own.
And then when I got to the emergency room, I, I, I looked through the glass doors and I saw that body laying on the gurney. And I did not want to go in because I thought, as long as I don't know it, he'll still be alive. So, you know, I just stood there for a while. But finally, the Lord was with me. And somehow that door opened. And I heard the most beautiful thing I've ever heard. I heard a 22-month-old having a fit. He was screaming bloody murder. But that was the most beautiful sound in the world. But by the time I did get to the hospital, the doctors had bandaged his skull so that I couldn't see what had happened. But I found out that a full-size truck had backed over front and back tires over his little head. Uh, his head was mashed flat. His little eyeballs had popped out. Uh, the, the skin, the scalp was split. But I, I thank the Lord that if I had been there just a few minutes earlier, I would have seen all of this. But the Lord protected me from all that. But... Uh, we, I, when I found out that he was alive and I heard, you know, they told me the extent of his injuries, we still didn't know about any type of brain damage because, uh, you know, most people, you know, they would not survive anything such as that. But uh, I heard the second most beautiful thing. He called me mom. So I did know that he had some brain function at that time. Uh, we were transferred to Children's Hospital, and I had to hold him in the ambulance. And I remember, that was about 40 years ago, and at that time, the, uh, the interstate, I-65, stopped at Alabaster. So you had to get off and go 31. And I remember us going through Alabaster, and it was a late Saturday afternoon, and I looked ahead, and the cars were just going out, making a way for us. And I thought, this is just like God parting the Red Sea. He's making a way for us to get to the hospital. So when we got to the hospital, they had a neurosurgeon on call. So he met us, and he, he looked John Michael over and... Uh, he said that the scalp had been split and they would uh, have to do a lot of skin grafts. Uh, after they, and they were still trying to determine whether or not it was much brain damage, but they went into surgery and told us that, uh, you know, it would be a long, drawn-out process, that we would be there, you know, for a long time. Well, in just a short time, the neurosurgeon came out and he was just beside himself. He said, first thing he said, this child should never be alive because at what he's been through, you know, he should not have survived. And he said that when I got in there, you know, when something is real tight and it splits, it curls under. And he said, I was able to take the scalp and I was able to pull all of the scalp together. And so they were able to do the surgery and the thing was, the scar, or the scalp, the scar started right inside the hairline. It went all the way back to the edge of the hairline and then over to the side. So uh, the Lord even fixed it so that he does not, unless have, he's got a real uh, 
what do you call it, Barrett? He's got a, his head is all lumpy, <laughs> lumpy. <laughs> but uh, he, 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 you can't even really see an outward sign of it. Uh, we were very concerned about my dad because my dad was a Baptist minister. So you can imagine what it did to him when he did that to his grandson. Uh, he was the one that had to look down and see what he had done. And he had to pick up that child seeing his little head was smashed. And at 22 months old, they explained to me, the skull is still flexible. And so it was able to more or less bounce back eventually. If the doctor said if he had been just a few months older, a little bit older, his skull would have been a little harder and it would have just broken. So uh, my dad had to, like I said, pick him up, wrap him in a cloth, and take him to the hospital, not knowing if he had killed his grandson or not. So the Lord was certainly with him. And one thing he always told people, you need to stay close to the Lord because you never know when you're going to need him. And so uh, the Lord was with him. In fact, he was with him so much that he was even able to preach the next day. So we always kid him because we think for the next 10 years, he worked this situation into a sermon in one way or another. So he got some good to come out of it. But uh, uh, John Michael, he did recover uh, after they did the surgery. They could not put him to sleep to do the scalp. So uh, they wouldn't let me or Mike be in there. My sister, who was a nurse, tried to, but she passed out. And so they finally, my father-in-law was finally able to stay in there with him because uh, a 22-month-old with you trying to hold him tight enough to put uh, 72 stitches in his head was quite an ordeal. But the Lord was with us. That all worked out. Uh, they did all the tests, all of his brain functions. Everything seemed to be normal. So after we walked the halls all night, and I think they got tired of him screaming, the doctor came in and said, y'all can go home tomorrow. So it was just unreal that the Lord took care of us through all that. Uh, the worst thing that really happened, well, it was a long recovery, but the worst thing that really happened was he got spoiled rotten, of course, and he learned to manipulate his sister rather well. <laughs> and Jessica Kidson tells him that he lost all of his rhythm when that happened because he can't even clap in church on rhythm, you know. But uh, I went through that, and I try to use that as an example of, I've been through probably the worst thing that could sort of ever happen to somebody. And the Lord was with me through all that. And I know now that no matter what comes, I can make it because I know God is going to be with me. And uh, you'll never be in a situation where you don't need to depend on God. Okay. Uh, God created each of you just like he wants you to be. There's never been a time when God looked at somebody and said, uh-oh, I made a mistake on that one. Never. He has you just like he wants you to be. And he knows everything about us, and he loves us anyway. And use your talents. No matter what that talent is, use that talent for God. I remember hearing this young man talk, and he said that uh, 
he got, when he got saved, he was in his 20s and he said he wanted to do something for God. But he, he told, he's talking to the preacher and he says, I can't do anything. I can't speak. I can't sing. I don't have any talents that I could use for the Lord. And so the preacher asked him, you know, what, what do you do? And he says, well, I'm a mechanic. And they got to talking and the preacher knew that there were several families in that church that just as something is a minor oil change would be hard for their budget. So that man, they set up uh, a certain Saturday every so often and he would change oil for somebody. And by doing that, he was also able to minister to them. So any talent you've got, anything that you've got, use it for the Lord. And remember, they always say, if you don't use it, you're going to lose it. So it'd be a shame for the Lord to have given you such a good talent and you not use it. So use everything for the Lord. Oh, <laughs> the Lord can work sometimes in mysterious ways. Now, I love to cook. I'm a retired family consumer, a home ec teacher, so I love to cook. And through the years, I have wanted to have Sunday dinners at my house. But Jessica likes her afternoon, Sunday afternoon naps, and also everybody would just sort of go their own way. Well, one of Kenny's favorite TV shows is Blue Bloods. And on that show, they had their Sunday dinners. So I think God took that <laughs> and planted it in Kenny, and he wanted us to have Sunday dinners. So if God can use Tom Selleck and Danny <laughs> Wahlberg <laughs> to get the message across, he can, do, he can use you. So I get to have my Sunday dinner, and I hope after tonight you'll still come for Sunday dinner. <laughs> <laughs> Use your words wisely. Uh, use them to build people and things up. Don't use your words to tear people down. Words are very, very powerful. You never know what a word can do to somebody. And I'd always tell my students, you're going to be held accountable for every word you say. If it's a good word or if it's a bad word, you're going to be held accountable for it. So make those words. You be a good Christian example in your words. Uh, you would hate to later on in life go in for a job and, you know, everything's looking real good. And then you go to the person in charge of hiring. And that's the person that you made fun of in school or a person that you weren't too nice with. That might not help your chances of getting that job or even worse. You want to uh, share your witness with someone and all they can remember are all those ugly remarks and those snide remarks you made to them when you were growing up. Use your words carefully. Uh, I heard a, a speaker one time and he was saying that when he was young, he was not a very nice person. It was this young lady in his class and she was a little on the hefty side and he said he would, you know, Things like, you know, fatty, fatty, two by eight, can't get through the garden gate, and, you know, things like that. And she'll just ignore him. But he said he finally grew up and he got a little bit nicer. Uh, one afternoon, he was out playing football with one of his, some of his friends, and he had, he got a bad cut on his forehead. So they had to take him to the hospital. And so he was laying there in the emergency room. And uh, they said, you know, the surgeon's going to come in and sew that up for you. Well, he said this nice-looking female surgeon walked in and uh, started talking, telling what she was going to do. And she says, you don't remember me, do you? And he says, no, I would remember. I would remember if I knew you. 
And uh, she says, well, does fatty, fatty two by eight uh, can't get through the garden gate sound familiar? And he looked at it and he realized that that surgeon who was about to stitch up his head was the girl that he had made so much fun of. And he said he was just proud that she didn't make him look like Frankenstein, that she did a good job on the surgery. But um, always remember and use your words wisely. To me, a good way to start each day is talking to God. Say a little prayer. I always try to, even before I open my eyes, I say, thank you, God, you know, for helping me, keeping me through the night, keeping me safe, and lead and guide everything I do say and think today. God has a job for each one of you every single day. I was overseeing my dad today. He's nearly 92 in a veteran's home. And I told him, I said, you know God still has you on his payroll. He still wants you to do something every day for him. So try to do something good for somebody every day. It might be something as simple as a smile to somebody, a good word. Uh, do something for them. You don't know what it's going to mean to them, and it'll mean so much to you. And end every day with Thanksgiving. I keep a prayer journal. And at night, the first part of it, I'll go through. And even if I've had a bad day, I write down, I go back and think of all the things that I've got to be thankful for. Things such as air, things such as my health. Uh, don't ever say that you have nothing to be thankful for. You were born in the United States. To me, that's one of the most a wonderful blessings you could ever have. Do you realize you could be born in a country where if we did this, we would be in danger of losing our lives? Or you could have been born in one of those countries where you were just thrown out to fend for yourself. Or you were made a, a, a soldier at a very early age. Be thankful that you were born here. Be thankful you were born into your family. Be thankful that... Uh, the Lord let you be conceived in a mother that wanted to keep you, and you were not aborted. You have so many things to be thankful for. And I like to keep my prayer journals, and I write down my request. And it's so nice to go back and look at those requests and see what God has done. Going through some that was probably about 20, 22 years old, and one of my requests I had was for God, if it was his will, for Jessica and Kenny to get together. And they made it rough on me. They'd go together. They'd break up. They'd go together. <laughs> and uh, I, I tell Jessica, I chose him before she chose him. <laughs> but uh, that was one of my requests, that if it's the Lord's will, that Jessica and Kenny would get together. And by looking back over how God has answered all those prayers it increases my faith, and I use that as a sort of a stepping stone to know that if he took care of me then, he answered that prayer, he'll, he'll do it now. Uh, all of you are missionaries. We think of a missionary as going somewhere overseas or to another country, but do you realize you're a missionary? And I hope each of you are a good missionary. Every time you go out of here, you are an example, first of your family. You're a representative of your family then you're a representative of the youth group, of Kenny, of the church. Make a very good impression on other people. You are the hands and feet of God. 
Um, you might be the only Bible that some people read. And uh, you don't even have to say anything. Uh, the first Sunday that Coach Tal Morrison was here, he sat in front of me in church. I didn't even know who he was. But when he opened his Bible, I noticed that that Bible had quite a few markings in it, different references. The pages were sort of tattered. And that just told me that that was a man who used his Bible to really read. He just didn't sit it on the counter and pick it up on the way out to church on Sunday mornings. He used his Bible. So your actions speak so loud. So be sure that your words and actions are right for the Lord. Uh, I grew up a Baptist preacher's daughter, and sometimes that's not the easiest situation to be in. Uh, people expect you to be perfect. They, they sort of look at you a lot and all, but I thank God for the, that I was brought up that way. I also thank him that I, I was willing to follow what my parents said and what God said. Uh, a lot of times we want to rebel a little bit because it was hard when my parents would say, no, you know, you better not go to that party. Or my mom would say, you know, I don't think that'd be a very good boy for you to date. Sometimes those situations can be hard for the kids and also hard for the parents. But I am so thankful for every decision that they made and that I made. And looking through my, back through my life, I wouldn't change anything because just one little decision, maybe that time that mom didn't want me to go to that party and I went anyway, you know, I could have gotten hurt or something bad could have happened. So I'm thankful for every decision that I made. And being a parent and a grandparent, I'm going to throw this in. Respect your parents. Love your parents. Tell them how much they mean to you. Um, be thankful for them. You've got parents. Uh, make them proud of you and let them know that you are proud of them. Ah. I've already touched on this a little bit, but be thankful. And I heard a song the other day, and the name of it was Remember to Remember. And that's what we need to do in our lives. We need to remember what God has done for us. So look back and remember. Being thankful for your circumstances helps prevent negative thinking. Uh, and I'm going to close with this. This is, uh, I found this other day. It says, God is not obligated to help you achieve your goals. He is focused on accomplishing his purposes. Align your life with God's activity and get swept up into the greatest worldwide miraculous movement of all time. And to have a successful life in Christ, I can sort of put it down in two words, trust. Trust the Lord in all your decisions. Trust what he says will be best for you. And after you trust him, obey. Obey what he has for you. So if you trust and you obey, you'll have a wonderful life in Christ. Okay, that's all. So I just want to take this opportunity um, to talk a little bit about my mom because she will not be the one to get up here and tell you this. She is probably one of the most selfless people I have ever met. So growing up when she talked about we lived in Calera and see, we lived in Calera, 
We went to school in Jemison, and she taught in Verbena. So every day, my brother and I were the first ones to school. We usually beat the principal. Um, and then we were the last ones picked up at school. Okay, And I didn't realize how much of a hardship that was on mom because she would have to leave. She would get to school like as almost as late as she could, and then she had to leave right after school. And you know, as a kid, I'm like, why is my mom taking forever? I now understand that was a big sacrifice. And the money part. I had no idea. I just knew every every month we got a bill, and I'd hand it to mom. I didn't know, you know that it was that much of a sacrifice, but the Lord always um, provided. Um, my mom is one of those people that if you want to talk to her, she will listen to you for days and days and days because she has to listen to me because like she is my afternoon phone call. So every afternoon after school, I call her and I talk about the day and usually she, she yes, yes, mm-hmm, oh, I understand, you know, the whole way. And then the call drops and I have to call her back. She will listen to you, um, to you and everything. Um, she's the only person I know that at her old church, she would bake for the whole church every Sunday. And it, no, it was not a super huge church, but she made some kind of treat, some kind of goodie. And I was so excited because on Mondays I got something too, because usually there was some left. But she always had a note of encouragement to go with that, whether it was a Bible verse or something else. It was huge. Um, she, she was an inspiration to her students. I don't have a name at school. Um, or I didn't when mom talked, because you're Miss Smitherman's daughter. I still get that today. I was in the office the other day, and somebody was checking somebody out and said, Are you Miss Smitherman's daughter? Yes. And I have a name, but yes, I'm Miss How is she? Oh, I, she was just my favorite teacher ever. And, um, and even in the concession stand at the ball game, Slay looks at me, she goes, you're Miss Smitherman's daughter? I said, mm-hmm, I am. Um, and she said, oh, I love your mom's class. My mom had one of those classes that the kids, and this is, this is uh, words from that lady the other day. The kids looked forward to going to her class. Yes, they got to sew and cook, which was interesting, Mama said. Um, But she listened to them. She taught them life skills, life lessons. Um, I teach the kids of the kids that Mama had, and they will go, my Mama had your Mama in school and said, like, she was the best. So I've heard even people say that they knew how to be a mom from my mom. So Mom was always that. She was not loud, outgoing, boisterous or anything. She was that example in her actions and in her words. And in just, like, talking to the kids. And I know she probably got tired of listening. I know she gets tired of listening to me. I'm not going to look over there so she doesn't have to say yes. <laughs> but she does that. So that's something that you can do as well is just to listen because you never know what that might do. And she called all of her students what? What'd you call them all? Their name? Sweetie Pie. Sweetie Pie. I have found myself doing that. Sweetie, sweetie, sweetie. And sometimes the boys are like, you call me sweetie. Okay. But you know, it's something that they, you know, it's like she's, she was a mom to those kids who maybe didn't have the best home life. Okay. Mom and dad also took in some foster children sometime. Um, so my brother and I was like, cool, we get a little extra brother or sister every once in a while. You know, I didn't realize what that had cost us either as far as time and stuff, but they wanted to help others. So my mom, so selfless, I knew she had no idea I was going to get up here and say this because she probably would have stopped me. But um, I have learned a lot from her. I've learned that I want to be more like her. I'm not because when sometimes people start talking to me, I'm, I was like, I got to be more like my mom. I can't be more like my mom. Um, but, you know, that's... I want to show, I see Christ's love in her and through her, and I want to be more like that. And yes, she is so right about the prayer journal. She's got, she keeps one, I keep one as well. And yes, she did like Kenny way before I did. So I'm glad she wrote that in her prayer journal, because later on I wrote it in mine too. I was just a little stubborn. Um, but you never know what you can do um, for someone. And she said even something about a smile. 
you never know what that can do for someone. So, Hey, thanks for listening to the podcast. We'd love to hear from you. Reach out to us through our social media. Go to KennyCrossroads.com and you can find all our places where you can get in contact with us. Or feel free to drop by sometime. Meet us at West End Baptist Church, Clanton, Alabama, or drop by on a Wednesday night at Crossroads, which is on the campus of West End Baptist Church. Love to hear from you. Love to just see what you're getting from this. And as always, thank you for being a part of Crossroads.